Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, including Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, Star Wars Rebels, Moonbeam City, and Ruby. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'll be taking you solo through the latest episode of Ruby, New Challengers, which is... um, chapter two and volume three of ruby uh normally i'm by i'll be joined by delaney or Britt for these ruby recaps but today i'll be taking you solo through this one um we'll be we'll be covering ruby every sunday probably afternoonish um uh when the, with the episodes for volume three coming out publicly on sunday mornings at 11 eastern so um Today, oh, well, let me first say that uh, you can find out everything about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com and uh, more information at the end, but let's, let me get right into New Challengers, the latest episode of Ruby. Um, me and Delaney kind of gave our initial thoughts on, uh, last week was our first Ruby podcast, we gave our initial thoughts and talked about um, Chapter 1, which we both very much enjoyed, and I think New Challengers is a clear step down from the premiere. Um, I think there's kind of two ways to take this um, this episode here with Chapter 2. Uh, kind of an optimistic approach or like a realistic approach, I would say. Um, the optimistic approach, which I'm, I, I kind of want to take here because I really am excited by Ruby right now. Like it's the show I'm most into out of any show I'm watching. I'm kind of just constantly listening to the volume one and two soundtrack. Um, I'm just like, I'm reading like forum posts and Tumblr and stuff like that about, uh, about the show and, and it's, I more, I'm very into it. So like, I want to be, I want to be optimistic. That being said, um, this episode was not very good. Uh, it's, it, it, this episode featured two two fight sequences, which was basically two fight sequences, which were basically the entire episode, and like uh, it's it's I, I mean there wasn't much choice to go to fights for sequences right away in this chapter. Normally, the structure has been. Uh, start off the season with a bang and then kind of quiet down a little bit and do some exposition for the season. And here we are continuing like with action pieces. Uh, and that's because of the structure of the season, probably. I mean, we haven't seen the entire season yet, but uh, we have the tournament here and we need to, I guess, keep going with tournament matches. However, um, in an ideal world, we wouldn't be doing this because heading into the season, the big question mark is how how are the fight how are the fights and action pieces going to be you know without Monty and uh these were these were the what I from my understanding of production are the things that were probably most affected by Monty's influence whereas you know the script writing I feel like Carrie and uh, Miles were doing mostly on their own anyway at this point in like volume two but uh now we're we're getting you know fights without Monty and uh these two were not very good so um this is not a great sign for the season uh, also we had some not, I mean, the script wasn't incredibly strong either. I, I it feels bad <laughs> destroying the episode. Like, I mean, I'm not saying it was terrible. It was fine. And I enjoyed it. Like, let's be clear. I did enjoy this episode. Um, but I think the reality is that it wasn't very good. I've seen public opinion on it and I think it agrees with me on this. Um, and I, it feels bad because I know production on the show is it's production on the show is very impressive and they kind of try their hardest without a, uh, like, a, an official studio influence, um, with the show. And, um, I know everyone involved has had to step in, step up and change roles and it's, it's, it's a lot. And I really sympathize with that. 
Um, so that's kind of why I would want to approach this from an optimistic viewpoint. And I still do think volume three could be very good. Um, you know, but, uh, it's, uh, that being said, another point of view on this is that maybe it's not that the fights are going to be worse now. It's that these four on four fights are never going to be, um, could, are never, could never be exceptional. It's, it, maybe these are just harder to pull off these structured tournament four on four fights. I saw, I've seen that opinion too. And I think that has some, some credibility to it. Like, I think that might be a legitimate viewpoint. Um, I, I'm not sure why we need to spend an entire episode purely on two fights here. Like, think about a, just think about the structure of this episode, and I think like maybe the flaws of this will become clear. Our, our four main characters are sitting down watching the events of the episode the entire time, and that's kind of our our uh, view. And the only times we cut to them are their reactions to to what they're sitting down and watching. That's not very exciting, and that's not very. Um, it's not very well uh, narratively structured because um, because uh, you know our vantage points into this world are um, are not uh, our main focus point. And you know if you view the season as a larger you know book as opposed to you know one uh, episode by episode, which I think is on this show might be more valid than other shows because. Um, you know, at the very least, a lot of people watch the show on Netflix where they're all just one after another. Um, I, this, 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 this single entry being weak isn't as much of a liability. Um, that's kind of always the case. Weak episodes don't stand out if you're just watching them all together, but watching the show week to week, uh, like I assume most, most people are, if you're listening to this, it's, uh, these weak entries stand out. So let me defend my claim that these are not the strongest fight sequences. I think the first one's better than the second one. Um, let's, so let's go through, go through this episode here. Um, our first fight is between Team Juniper and Team Bronze, apparently, B-R-N-Z, uh, which is from, uh, Shade and Vacuville, much like Team Indigo featured in the second fight. Um, so I don't know much about Team Bronze, nor do I think we're supposed to know much about them. Uh, Team Indigo, I know, is definitely new, and I think was designed by some type of fan thing, you know. Uh, see, team seeing Team Juniper in action here is kind of it's kind of cool. We haven't really seen them doing too much recently. Going back into the end of Volume Two, we we're pretty focused in on Team Ruby at the end, which I think is a good thing. Um, here, so what are the highlights? So there's one, the big highlight for me of this of this fight is the highlight of the episode, which is like not the actual fighting. Is when they take a break in the fighting. That to me is the great sequence, which I think some people disagree with and probably thought that was silly. But um, before that, we have um, highlights being uh, learning what Nora's semblance is. Um, last week's podcast, Delaney and I were kind of expressed our unclarity. That's not a weird way to phrase it, but on semblances, I think the show has not delved into um the actual specifics behind semblances as much as it could have um and i also think that it is becoming clearer to me that the show does not want this to be like a big mythological plot point um or rephrasing that a big plot point within the show's mythology it's more meant to just be something cool for each character that kind of adds to uh character development uh development exposition whatever um so like it's it's 
So, uh, clarifying, and thanks to someone in the YouTube comments on this video, we also post all our podcasts on YouTube, and you can check us out, Overly Animated Podcast. Um, someone clarified that uh, the rest, uh, we I think I expressed that Blake's the only semblance who'd been clearly stated as a semblance on the show, and then they said no. Uh, the Pierre talk in uh, Volume 1 with John says uh, the other members of Team Ruby also had them shown, so I um, apologize for that mistake. And uh, Nora, though... We had not seen, and I don't know, I'm thinking back in the series, and Nora, I don't remember any indication that Nora's semblance would be electrical-related. Possibly I'm just, I just missed, like, hints about this, but um, apparently her, you know, her semblance is that she can channel electrical energy straight into her muscles, and then she can uh, use that to uh, do a bunch of things, which... um, which uh, one of the commentators, uh, the professor, uh, Ublek, yeah, Dr. Ublek, uh, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, Mr. Ublek, says, uh, says that, uh, she can do a bunch of stuff with it. So this is, this is like a cool ability. And I think that's the main thing with semblances. They're just supposed to be cool. Um, I don't think there's a lot of, uh, pressure on them to, uh, you know, make, make a lot of sense. It, like, how much does this make sense with Nora's character? How much does this make sense, like, biologically? She can channel electrical energy into her muscles. I don't know. Whatever. I also don't think Yang's makes any sense. But it's cool. It, like, it makes sense in that it's like it's totally a fighting ability. And this is too. So it's fine. Um, I'm not... No complaints here. Uh, I, I kind of still want semblances to be more of a thing that's, like, actually explained. But I'm fine that it's just, you know, this this cool thing that adds to the action pieces in the show. And um, I guess the other question, if we're thinking of this like a fighting game, um, is Nora OP? Uh, is is that what, the, does the semblance make her OP? Um, overpowered is what I'm referring to. And I guess not, because what instances uh, are there typically in a fight with electrical energy? That's somewhat of a narrow ability. She had a second usage in this fight for channeling um, lightning from the top of the mountain. That seems like a very um, arena-specific type of use and also specific to um, her getting that specific type of terrain. So, uh, I, you know, this it seems like a narrow, but when it applies, it's it seems it's very good. And she just basically wins the fight on her own there. Um so, so yeah, in terms of uh, how this is placed within the fight, um, this is kind of, it kind of drains, I think it kind of drains the energy from the fight. This is the most interesting thing that happened so far, like we had some stuff with the sniper on the other team, um, and we have uh, a common theme throughout this fight of John leading, which I think is really well done, um, but uh, if you, like take your time out of the action piece to, like, explain something like this. It does It does uh, take the wind out of the sails a little bit. Um, not that this is the biggest flaw with, with the fight sequences, though. Um, so, yeah, then we have... Uh, we Okay, Team Ruby commenting on this. Go get him, John. Well, he's certainly improved. Yeah, but he ain't got nothing on Pira. That was ruby weiss and uh yang i think and um in that order um some very general commentary there ruby being supportive uh i guess weiss i don't know i hope we're not setting up a weiss john thing later i think i I hope we're done with that um and uh yang cheering for pira that's pretty cool i didn't i don't know how many interactions yang and pira have had but uh, there you go and um Nora clears out the uh, sniper by setting the trees on fire. I like that creative usage of the terrain. That's pretty cool. 
Um, okay, so now here's the pause. Uh, this is my favorite part of the episode, so let me let me quote it and then talk about it. This is it, guys. It just says, John, let's finish them with team attacks. Ren, Nora, Flower Power. Um, <laughs> flower Power, that's your team attack name. Ren brings the flower, Nora brings the power. <laughs> uh we get our best uh monty's brother line read on how do i bring a flower <laughs> like uh, that was that sounded very much like monty which was pretty a little bit emotional there um and uh Nora's Nora's like not flower flower like the other usage of the word uh Nora's voice actress is she's very over the top i guess that fits the character a lot but it, that it's specifically seemed uh prominent here for that line read um, no, it's your symbol, which apparently is a thing for, for, uh, for, uh, Ron, Ren. So, okay. So this whole thing, uh, is great because it is parodying the, uh, ship names or parodying kind of just using it, the, uh, ship names in the Ruby Phantom. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I just kind of love this. Um, it's, it's extremely over the top and silly, but like, I, I think this, uh, show, when the show at all seems smart, like it's good. Cause at its worst, this episode is super, um, conventional uh basic and uh unintelligent so that that at its worst at its best i think it's this scene because this scene is is um is kind of uh self very it's very self-aware of the community surrounding ruby and also um you know just the many romance possibilities within the show that the show actually presents so uh i think this this seems very self-aware and intelligent of the show also i just think it's very funny like this this isn't even the best part though then we get a uh, john and and pure interacting uh so what are we pira sorry i just want to make sure it's clearly defined that's the lie that's the lampshadingest line of of the entire episode sorry i just want to make sure it's clearly defined i, I love pira's voice actress's line read on these on this this sequence by the way um i also do not have all the ruby voice actors and actresses memorized i apologize pira you and i are acros it's that thing where we take our shields or something like that remember acros yeah it's our names put together <laughs> what do you not like it no no it's good <laughs> this is great on so many levels first of all i think acros actually is their ship name uh and uh it's our names put together this is totally and within the ruby fandom the ruby fandom is like the most creative ship names which is the show totally um kind of makes it easy to do because characters are color-coded and stuff like that uh so it's, it's easy to come up with these these great creative ship names but but then you have some which just combine the two uh, names together which is typically how you make ship names and uh acros i guess arcos arcos excuse me is one of them um and uh i like pira not not being happy with that like but why don't why don't they get a they get a better ship name that's great so this, i i just i really love this entire sequence and it's just uh it's a big highlight within kind of a uh flat rest of the episode totally uh you know totally really really into this and i hope they do more stuff like this it's it's i think i think the show comes off well i mean i've seen people complaining about how this was silly but i i am not of that opinion well the next part is a little bit silly which is the there's a team meeting no there's a fight going on this part i think was the silly part and it's kind of it's like uh, that was that was what that was um nora just hit him with the hammer uh if nora could just do that why didn't they just do that early <laughs> i mean i know that we took a pause out to talk and that's the point but if nora can just ring out all four people i guess we had to get them together that was the main point of john's leadership is that they had to get them in the same place um but still it seems a little a little uh illegitimate i guess um if 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 you want to place a lot of 
a lot of importance on these fights than when you have the men so kind of uh, silly, then it's, it seems out of place, I guess. So then Team Juniper wins and is on to the doubles round. Yay. Um, I guess that's what our team villains were, were uh, anticipating last episode. Although I don't know how they knew they would win over Team Bronze because they've been studying their abilities the entire time within when they've been at the academy. Yes, that that I think Delaney and I talked about that last week. Anyway, um, so there's the first fight. That fight's all right. It's fine. Uh, I think that it does a lot of good things. It showcases um, John's leadership, which is really good, and I think we uh, we improve Nora as kind of a character, which is good. And we have this great dialogue sequence in the in the middle. So. Um, Kind of, uh, for this show, I think it's maybe a below average fight. Like, the show has great action pieces, so I have a high expectation. But in general, I, I did enjoy that. Okay, so then we have two, this is the first of two scenes with, um, with Crow. Uh, Uncle Crow, I guess, right? So, um, we saw, let me get the, the Ruby wiki down here so I don't mess up names. We saw Ruby's dad in the intro. Um, Apparently, going back on going back on missions, we saw Raven at the end of last season. We haven't seen her since. Uh, Summer Roses passed away, and here is Crow. Our first is this is this our first? No, I don't know. We might have seen him before. Anyway, um, kind of he's unimpressed with the the whole thing. Is he's drinking, and then he's unimpressed with the fights that he's seeing, and uh, at the end, he apparently is impressed. Uh, that's winter Schnee is coming. So that is interesting. Or is it because specifically because of winter? Is it because of some circumstances involving her team or her entry? I don't know. Is winter even fighting? Is winter a student? I don't know about any of this. It's possible that we've had this information revealed um, beforehand, but not in this show. I don't think so. Or revealed, you know, like outside of show circumstances. So what do I think of these crow scenes? They're kind of dumb. I will say that. Uh, this is not how I imagined this character when Ruby kind of talks about him a lot, right? And, um, you know, I don't... I, I don't... Uh, it's not that it's it like speaks badly upon him and that's why it's bad. It's just kind of uninteresting and Dolan's only doing one thing. It's like, okay, he's unimpressed. That's the impression I get. And I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about that. Like, is it supposed to be a positive characterization? Is it supposed to be like an important characterization? Are we just establishing that Crow is here? Is that the only point of that? Uh, so I think these scenes are not great. So uh, next fight, the second fight of the episode. Unlike last week's episode, which kind of had two, also had two fight sequences, but had a nice uh, quiet part in the middle. There's really not nothing. Only the uh, Crow uh, scene and like kind of I guess maybe reactions. I'm not sure. So uh, here, well, we have uh, some things in the beginning. So we have Team Indigo, also from Shade and Vacuo, versus Team Soon Sun, which is, uh, I didn't know if that's how you pronounce Sun's team name, which was S-S-S-N, which is not very pronounceable. So, uh, okay. So we're already starting off at a bad point here, because um, Sun and Neptune are not very interesting characters in general. So now, I'm higher on sun than others i think delaney we me and delaney both took a beaconship.me quiz i'd taken it many times before but uh here i showed it to her because she just got up on the show and she had sun as her least favorite character and i'm like uh okay um i personally would never put neptune above <laughs> above sun sun is uh 
I, I see my feeling. I typically dislike like Sun's character model. He looks like a uh, a, a blank boy. Like uh, I'm censoring myself there. And uh, but in actuality, he's like kind of a nice guy. That's I think what we've seen so far from the show. Um, and I actually like when he's like actually spoken and what he's been saying. Um, it's it's uh, I I don't know. I'm a I'm a Sun fan. I guess I had him like in 15 or something, which was very high for. Because uh, you know you have all your major characters, and then um, you have the cool characters who aren't necessarily major characters like Neo, and then you, whoever's highest among the minor characters are people you actually like. So I do really like some Neptune, not so much, especially after this episode. And we meet uh, Scarlet and Sage. Um, I don't know if we'd met them before. Apparently, we might have seen them. I don't know if we heard their names, but that's what their names are. So uh, this we're starting off at a bad point because these aren't major characters already, and then you're introducing um, a new team. Who, although admittedly, is really cool. I do, I do like a lot of things about Team Team uh, Indigo, but um, it's there's just really no no rooting interest here. There's no focal point for the audience. There's nothing inter- super interesting about this fight, and it's way too gimmicky. Uh, the entire thing with Neptune being afraid of water is super unsuccessful, in my opinion. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's interesting. I don't think it's sympathetic to Neptune. Um, so basically, I hated it all, all around. Um, in the beginning of this fight, we had uh, uh, Weiss calling uh, good luck Neptune. Um, so you know you're starting off on my wrong foot, Neptune, when you have uh, my favorite character cheering for you and I don't like you two together. So, um, I mean, that's not that's not an actual criti- critical criticism, just a personal a personal opinion. I, I love Weiss, though, and um, I don't like Weiss like, crushing on Neptune. Okay, so here's one thing, is that this episode, I'm going to get into a larger round about this, but... This episode makes it much clearer uh, that uh, about Weiss and Blake's affections than previously was stated. I mean, Weiss is not too much different here than before. Uh, she's obviously expressed romantic interest in Neptune before. And um, here she basically does again, although more overt than uh, than um, than uh, otherwise. Um, and then uh, Neptune says ladies to, what, the crowd, I guess? Or was it in the Indigo? I don't remember. And then Weiss says, break a stupid face, Indigo. That's great. I love that. Uh, go Weiss. And um, Neptune says, girls, try to remember hands above the waist. And then soon Sun says, ignore him. He's dumb. So, so once again, <laughs> Neptune's the dumb one here. Sun is the good one. So, like, I'd like to make this clear. I'm defending uh, my boy Sun here. So, uh, yeah, Neptune. Oh, my goodness. What? Like... <laughs> Could there be more uh, unsympathetic of a characterization, like, possible? Are we supposed... Here's my deal when this happens. Um, A lot of times, content creators are super unaware, male content creators are super unaware that their male characterizations are unsympathetic. Um, Now, like, if you want to characterize Neptune as silly and, you know, just kind of a, you know, a dumb frat guy or whatever, that's me censoring for blank boy. Um, It's... uh, that's fine. You don't need to... I'm not saying a sympathetic characterization is required. You should just be aware that the audience is going to hate your character. Um, I'm not sure that's what's going on here. Like, I think Neptune's kind of supposed to be, ah, ha, ha, oh, Neptune, you know? But no, I'm, I'm not sure anyone would have that reaction watching watching this episode. He is... The general point, if you're wondering why I said, uh, why I was gendering the beginning statement. So uh, it's... I think a lot of times, specifically male um, content creators, think that uh, they can characterize kind of males in any in any way, and if they have them being you know, masculine, then um, people are gonna like find them sympathetic. 
Um, and that's not the case, especially for me. And also I think for kind of general audiences, I think this might be an example of that. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I have further, further things to get into later in, in this, I guess. Um, so we have, uh, I don't know what happens this fight. Um, it's just Neptune being afraid of water. Um, we have uh, the green one on Team Indigo making um, sand tornadoes and then just regular tornadoes, basically being an airbender. Uh, do I think I have I have their Ruby Wiki up here? That's how I know their names because they definitely don't state the names in the episode. Um, and yeah, it's that I like that was pretty cool. Um, there's like a pirate ship out on the sea. I guess it was just a regular ship. And then we fight on there. Um, Scarlet, uh, has a pretty cool gun or whatever, a, um, whatever the name for it is. And then, uh, we have sun picking up coconuts. I think these are highlights that I wrote down. Neptune being dumb. That's on my notes. And then he shocks the water, um, while they're still in it. So it's talking about unsatisfying endings to fights. Wow. They're just going to stay in the water. when One of them has an electric ability. Yeah, that's realistic. So that was a super un- unsatisfying ending to the fight. I didn't like it at all. Um, it seemed like they were the worst team. I guess the point is that, uh, sun and Neptune are good, but check and buy, I guess. Although Neptune was not being good the entire fight. I can buy sun being a good fighter. Um, you know what I call that victory? Uh, shocking. No, well-earned what you said was stupid. Says, uh, says, uh, you know, what's his face? Um, uh, ports. Yeah. Press support. So, uh, yeah. So this fight is kind of a mess and, uh, uh, you're starting off kind of riskily by not having anyone, uh, available for the audience to sympathize with. And then you have this really dumb gimmick and then you kind of just uh, have an unsatisfying ending and it's just a mess the entire time. So, uh, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, Okay, so the cool, the highlights, I guess, are Scarlet was was good. Um, brief thing on Scarlet, which is the continuation I mentioned previously. It seems last last week, Delaney and I talked about how in a recent Facebook Q and A, um, who answered this question? Uh, Miles answered that. Uh, are there any plans for LGBTQ plus characters to be introduced or revealed if they're already in the show? And then he says, "Yeah, Monty was very adamant about one character in particular that you'll see soon here." So if he's talking about Scarlet, um, I am not very happy. So, uh, first of all, there's nothing wrong if, if Scarlet is, um, queer, there's nothing wrong with him being so there's a problem with him being the only queer characterization in Ruby because he is kind of stereotypically effeminate in this episode. And, um, also there is, there's two sides to this. First of all, there's, they should cut to a crowd shot and, for cheering on Team Sun, and there's a guy holding up the uh, fan photo for uh, Scarlet and the three girls with him holding up fan photos for the others, so it's kind of implying that he's, I think, that he's gay, but um, that uh, Scarlet is, and so there's two big problems here. One is a a stereotypical characterization. Um, Number two is that he's just the one queer person in the show, if that's true. Um... So the show, the show has a fan base that kind of like really like yearns for for um, queer characterizations among the four main characters. Uh, I think I would, I, it's probably not inaccurate to say that over half of fans in the show wish kind of ship um, some combination of the four uh, female characters and to sh- like to shove the the token gay into your audience uh that is qua- craving queer representation is not good 
Uh, I like to emphasize that this is a major problem if it is what is going on and will alienate many viewers of the show. Um, so I really hope that this is not what's happening and that we're just going to have one character who's who's a stereotypical gay male and him being the one token gay on the show and we're not going to have any other queer representation uh in a full in a show that's full with that's full with um you know uh females fawning over males and males fawning over females no no pun intended that there could possibly be involving fawn um uh and uh it's it's uh not in a show it particularly is striking in a show where we have um blake blushing at sun at the end of this episode when previously she's kind of been neutral romantically interest wise um and her just having a super girly towards the hot guy uh reaction to uh to sun who um when more previously their relationship had been much more nuancedly prevent presented again i keep using wrong phrases of words but that's okay so <laughs> if the show this is a potential alienating thing for me as someone who wants to be super into the show i'm not going to be if this is if you're just gonna throw a uh a token a token stereotypical gay character in when we're kind of craving broader representation and uh something that is not uh seems like I, uh, the other thing is this is a super minor character if this is it like oh boy oh boy okay so let's hope it doesn't go there um i'm I, again of course it's an assumption for now we'll see what the show does later but i feel like i have enough evidence to be critical of it right now and while still noting the caveat that it is not an established thing yet um okay so like i said at the end of the episode we had um Blake blushing at sun, and this is the most obvious romantic interest Blake has uh, stated. Like when Delaney and I were talking last week about who's going to be the queer character in the show, um, we thought, okay, what if it's one of the main four? Well, let's go off the list. Um, Blake probably has expressed romantic interest in Sun, although it's not obvious. Also, you could argue that Blake has a past romantic history with Adam, which I think is I, I that's how I read the situation. But um, it's who knows. Uh, Weiss obviously has expressed romantic interest in Neptune, um, something I missed last week, which is pointed out to us in the comment section, thanks again, in our YouTube videos, was that uh, Yang, in the beginning of the series, says, ooh, look at all the guys here in, um, in the sleepover. So these are three characters now who have been, um, who've been established to be uh, attracted to males, it seems like. Seems like. This does not preclude them from being from being queer, you know? Bisexual people exist, pansexual people exist, stuff like that. But, uh, but um, it is at least reasonable uh, conclusion to make that they are straight, because at the very least they've shown interest in the opposite sex as opposed to just assuming everyone's straight. Like, it's it's fine. So, however, Ruby still, I don't think, has shown any romantic interest in anyone. My personal read on her, you could say maybe John, maybe um, other situations, but I think that that's not true. I think she just flat out hasn't. Uh, I think the most clear romantic interest from Ruby has been towards Weiss, and I think we see it here again at the end of the episode, although... Um, I am a biased viewpoint, so I don't know. I'm when I say I'm a biased viewpoint, I'm a heavy white rose shipper. So I don't know if I'm just having my shipping goggles on or if this is a real thing. But uh, Ruby runs into Weiss again and kind of reacts uh, how you might expect someone with a crush on the person you run into to react, in my opinion. Uh, the other way to interpret that scene is that uh, Ruby's just being timid, and which is kind of who she is. So I think that both are reasonable. Um, takeaways from that probably my favorite part of the episode was there i don't know it was the shipping talk before but that's okay um and then weiss staring up at the uh at the sky to see uh 
presumably winter winter's plane i don't she's here okay yeah it was it's not i guess it's not stated but you know this is what's this is what's happening we know winter is going to be a character weiss's older sister in the season and her plane is coming down i guess so she is here and i am excited to see winter see excited to see what they do with this character how weiss um grows or reacts because of it uh, or is presented even and um yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm interested to see how Crow connects to Winter. That is an interesting one. Um, yeah, so what, what, are their, what are their talk here? Yeah, so there you go. I think that that, that about covers everything I wanted to say about this episode. Um, so yeah, not, not great. I hope this is the worst episode of the season. I am hopeful that it will be. Um, I am very hesitant about this uh this potential representation that they have like i said um that being said i was very excited about this little white rose scene uh and i was very excited about um this uh, shipping talk that we had um which was i think very self-aware of the show and looking forward to see what the show does in the future i think hopefully if we get to two and two fights next week or singles fights that those will be uh, easier to um, portray than these four and four fights that they're having which might might have always been a, a tough thing to do so there you go. Uh, I'm Dylan Heisen, and uh, you can check out everything about this podcast at overlyanimated.com. Um, if you want to, I I really encourage you to give me feedback for this. I mean, most times I won't be going solo for for our Ruby discussions, so that's not big that big of a deal. I have been doing Star Wars Rebels podcast solo though. So um, what do you think of me doing the solo? What do you think of my opinions on the show? What do you agree with me? Um, I welcome that feedback. Um, either whether it be on our YouTube page, if you're watching this on YouTube, just comment below and then I'll, repl- I'll respond to you probably within a few hours. And um, if you could, you can also uh, write to me on Tumblr, Dylan OVA or Twitter, Dylan underscore OVA or the podcast tumblers or twitters so yeah let me know what you thought what do you think of this episode i don't think i'm too off base from a fandom reaction towards this at least what from what i've seen um and yeah and i'll be back oh i forgot to mention the beginning of the podcast but whatever uh i think next week is just a world of remnant i don't think it's a new episode i will try to confirm that at some point but i'm fairly confident that i saw on twitter that from one of the from miles or carrie that next week's will not be a new episode of ruby again not new next week just a world of remnant probably we will not be podcasting in any form on ruby next week if it's just a world of remnant unless i kind of want to do a broader mythology talk if the world of remnant is interesting i guess so there you go uh yeah so i guess we'll see you in two weeks at the very least um upcoming on the podcast wednesday slash thursday um star wars rebels and uh moonbeam city no gravity falls until the end of november and student universe has not yet been announced for a return so thanks for listening guys um let me know what you thought and i will see you next time bye